Hi, this is Dr. Lee Piccarello inviting you to tune in to The Head Game, a must-listen show for athletes and coaches of all levels and ages. Mindful Athlete Training in Newtown, Pennsylvania is a mental circuit training program that prepares the athletes to perform at the highest level of today's game. Athletes get into the zone faster and stay there longer. Always in the game for a Friday at 8 o'clock here on WBCB in the arena of ideas. Let's talk about the process. He's going to do that. Dr. Lee Piccarillo. Thank you, Foxy. How are you? Ready. You're ready to roll. I'm good, man. You've got your uh, you got your roadmap here to work. I do. I have yeah. the roadmap. You know, it's funny that you bring up the roadmap <laughs> because uh, today uh, is approximately three days shy of our third anniversary here on the uh, wow. WBCB, the head game. Uh, and I went back and I went back into the archives and I brought up my script, my very first script, which yeah. I've joked about in the past. You should have redone it. Yeah. You. What do you mean? Like a, a, a best of? Oh, you mean yeah. to, to recreate? Yeah, recreate but it. Yes. I think the show is different now than oh, it was. Oh, it's different. It, it was, and it has to be sort of... <laughs> it's different. Yeah. I mean, as the experience goes, you, get, you edit yourself and do all sorts of processing yes. stuff. If you, if you played one now versus three years ago, it would be a different, be a different uh, ball game. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. And in, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, the, the evolution. Sure. We'd like to, you know, it's like the, uh, the more mature fruit on the vine. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, season, yes. season train broadcaster now. Oh yes, yeah. yes it is. Yes I am. I, I, well, <laughs> broadcast thank you, professional. Thank you, Foxy, <laughs> for that for that title. I don't know if I'm worthy, but we're 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 trying to we're trying to get there. So yeah, it's almost three years to the day wow. where we've been on the air, and our first show only ran uh, thirty minutes, um, and uh, the content of that show. Yeah, it's it probably good. went by so quick. Yeah, but you know what? In, in the early phases, yeah, it, it did not feel as such. Um, 30 minutes going to come any Correct. We had a and couple it was of just, trial runs. It was just me and Foxy. And um, I was talking about um, the value of sports psychology and the, the myths that we were trying to dispel and how uh, we wanted to, to shout from the rooftops that, you know, the new norm was uh, not waiting until someone was sick or needed help, but to simply weave mental skills training into uh, what all training is uh, is about. And I think that we've successfully done that. We've partnered with John Kalinowski and the Kalinowski Performance Academy. Uh, We've partnered with Matt McGovern quarterbacks, and we've uh, really gotten hands-on hundreds of local athletes in Lower Bucks County uh, we've been to the bigs. We've been to the MLB network. Uh, we've been to the MLB winter meetings. We've been to the Sabre um, conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we've been just about all over. We were, we were up in Jiminy Peak, Massachusetts, uh, working with a uh, ski team. And I think the value of today's discussion being closer to end of year is really looking at mental strength and how we've been trying to define that at Mindful Athlete Training. We're calling it mental strength because for many, many years, when you hear about how athletes try to get better, you hear about mental skills or you hear about a mental skills uh, person, where we'd like to call ourselves mental strength coaches because it's in our way, an effort to connect with the athletes, but to let them know that mental strength is a skill that not only can you learn, 
but you can weave into how you go about your practice and your play. And those topics are the very things that we're going to be discussing today. We're going to be getting into what exactly is mental strength and how we at Mindful Athlete Training define it. Why in the world is it so important in today's game? And what are the variables required to train the mind? Um, when it comes to practice, the self-awareness in real time is becoming more and more important for all different types of performers, athletic, artistic, musical, and how do mental reps in seeing success, what we traditionally call visualization, actually equate to success? How does it impact the bottom line? And then last but not least, we're going to end up with what is the athlete's mental metric called? And that's called BioQ, which is what we do at Mindful Athlete Training. But before we get into our mental strength discussion and the Mindful Athlete Method, we're going to get into a little morning mindful news with our own Jessica Ferdinand. Thank you. You're welcome. I do have a video here. You see, that's different. Yes. I usually don't. But before I play that video, um, what I'm going to talk about today is... Um, kind of what this topic stemmed from, like you said, um, Drew Brees, who broke Peyton Manning's record. So, before record we, for I'm going to go over it. Total. No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. He did it. Um, career touch, uh, overall touchdown passes. Uh, gosh, yes. I have my my little notes here. Breakfast. <laughs> I do need my breakfast. It's okay. So, uh, Drew Brees finished the night. 29 of 30, which I thought was really insane. I think people are really looking at the Peyton Manning, but he finished the night 29 of 30, which was an NFL record in itself, and it was the best single-game completion percentage with 307 yards and four touchdowns. Um, obviously, like we were talking about, he broke Peyton Manning's record for career touchdown passes. At the time, it was 539, and he ended the night with 541 yards. Touchdowns. Um, yeah. Touchdowns. touchdowns. Yes. Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I thought was interesting about all of this was in an interview after he was explaining, I actually have the quote here, I'll just read it. Um, I think they just asked, you know, how does it feel to have 29 to 30 and break painting Manning's record? And he said, I'll be honest with you, you always think about the one that you missed. If I just set my darn feet and threw it to the running back, it's 30 for 30. So that may haunt me for a little while. That's interesting. Because he, he did almost perfect. But he's still, like, it, it's not enough. And the very best athletes tend to look at what they have not yet accomplished yeah. versus what they have already yeah, accomplished. Yeah, that's, like, exactly where his mind zoomed in on. Mm -hmm. No, I missed I missed one. All right, Foxy, let's roll it. Let's let's hear it. This is number one. This is Drew Brees breaking Peyton Manning's yeah, all-time passing TD record. 19 straight completions now for Drew Brees that ties his career high in a game. But I think he's searching for another mighty mark. Will he get it here? Yes! Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Now, when you think about 540 touchdown passes, that's pretty amazing. And I don't use that word lightly. Most people that know me know that. I don't typically throw out amazing often. Because I think it needs to be worthy. 
And I think, quite frankly, people overuse the word. Mm. That's just my little sidebar. But I think 540 touchdown passes is an amazing feat, really, at any level. (laughs) Forget the National Football League, the highest pinnacle of football performance as far as quarterback play goes. All the things that need to go into that. Also, too, a lot of people don't know that Drew Brees, when he first came into the league, was not only scrutinized, but downright overlooked. He was no boy wonder. He was no phenom. In today's world, when you feel, when you look about athletes specifically, how you feel about quarterbacks, they're anointed very early. They're anointed even now at the, the late high school level with being the uh, top 100 draft uh, uh, candidates for the um, for college before they get into the draft. And then you think about how the hype goes with the Heisman and how uh, they're they're anointed. As the leaders of tomorrow, they're expected to perform above all else. And it's arguably the most valuable position in all of sports. When you think about if you win a game, QB gets the success. If you lose the game, QB gets blamed with the failure. And that's the way that it goes. So why is it that mental strength is so incredibly important for the position of quarterback? I think quarterback is really... Well, obviously, you're the leader, so it's kind of you and yourself, and you know that. Like, you know that you are running the offense, and it's your job to get the ball to the receiver to score a touchdown. So I think it's really, on the quarterback in particular, it's really, like, me versus myself, and how how good do I want to be? You know what I mean? It's not like, it, it is, you know, you're comparing yourself, but I think elite athletes don't really compare themselves. They look at their numbers and how they can get better. Now, let's further pursue this notion of you versus yourself, because I agree and I find it interesting that we didn't really discuss this much regarding this topic prior to our show. And the you versus yourself theme was where I was thinking in anticipation and preparation of this show when you think about defining mental strength. You versus yourself. What are your thoughts about that? Aside from quarterback play, let's just talk about... Just in general. Just in general. Human performance. You versus yourself. I think it's like your own... Your own... um, What is the word? Your own, like, little motivation for yourself. Like, it's, it's you pushing yourself every single day, not having someone to have behind you in your ear saying you need to do this. It's you saying, no, I need to do this because I want to be the best or Mm -hmm. I want to be the best at whatever I'm doing. I want to get better at it. I think that that's kind of what I I think when I think of um, you versus yourself, it's like you're motivating yourself to be better without anybody else around you helping you. When I, when I define mental strength and I'm thinking about the competition so often in how athletics, uh, how performance is really judged by society. It's very often the athlete, the performer against all others, mm-hmm. all other odds, all other circumstances. Uh, when you think about some of the greatest achievements that we bear witness to, uh, when you think about the 1980 Olympic hockey, hockey team, it was essentially the United States versus the world, but then it was the, the Russians, right? The USSR. It was us against them. When you think about uh, modern teams, more current teams, I should say, that have been successful, there's always a story within the story of how that athlete had to 
uh, persist through great odds or they had some type of difficulty along the way. There's always some type of hurdle. Mm -hmm. But I think when you define mental strength, I think it's not about hurdle. I think it's about the concept of where you are as an individual, how you see your ability, and then to what degree you feel that you can push beyond your ability. Thank you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... I, I, I always think back to that Nike commercial, even though I never remember what it says. I know what it means, um, saying how, like, you know, you wanna, you're not trying to follow, basically, in someone else's footsteps of greatness. You want to create your own path. Right. And that, it's interesting, though, just a quick sidebar, that you may have difficulty remembering the concept of that Nike ad, but you don't forget how it makes you feel. And I think that's something to be said. And let's just take it and apply it to today's discussion. Really, the mindful athlete method of what it is to be mentally strong. When we are trying to push ourselves beyond our threshold, there is a whole lot of discomfort there. And emotionally, when we take that inventory, we only have two choices. We're either going to accept how that feeling dictates what we do next or... We refuse how that emotion makes us feel, and we push forward. It's only two options. It's pushing through the swinging door or stepping back from the swinging door. And I think in a moment, that defines what it is to be mentally strong. It's not so much can you push through, but it's more about seeing yourself on the other side and surviving. Now, I don't know if that's learned I don't know if that's instinctual. I don't know if that can be taught. But I think when you define mental strength, those are some of the factors that you really need to start to consider. Doctor, I, I, that's an interesting point there. I, we always, you're talking about maybe we're fighting ourselves. Yes. Uh, right? Now, is it mentally tough or are we mentally efficient? Is there an efficiency thing that goes along with that? I, I think if we can push through the discomfort and stay there, yeah. That's mental efficiency. Right, okay. But I think it's the mental toughness when we're smacked in the face with failure, Slumps, defeat, failure, loss, yeah, yeah, loss, well, yeah. everything and anything negative and or bad. That's really when you find out what it is to be mentally strong. Mm. And I think mental toughness gets thrown around. I do. It gets thrown around as one of those variables. And it's it's. It's really us for now, for, for a, a, a group of sports psychologists, biofeedback practitioners, mental strength coaches. It's for us to decide. It's for us to lay down the equation of what mental strength truly is. Because if we don't do that in our position, then we're contributing to more of the, the cloudiness of the problem and not necessarily assisting with the solution. Mm. It's a quarter past the hour and you know what time it is. Now, when we're talking about strength, and then we put the word mental in front of it, that's my ball game, mental strength. But when we're talking about strength, resiliency, toughness, we're talking about Coach Cal. And it's time for Coach Cal's Corner with John Kalinowski. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm a little fired up. I can tell. That's good. 
It's certain I was topics. a little nervous. I wasn't sure which way you were going to go with that strength and mental. I thought you were going to say I was a little mental and uh, working on the strength side. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in my industry, you got to be a little mental to to get to the mental. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta love it a little. You know Absolutely, and I do love it. Yeah. <laughs> It's I love a, the mental side of you guys. There's a scene. My, you're making my athletes great. There's a scene from Backdraft, and this is how my mind works, that literally just popped into my head, where Robert, Robert De Niro is trying to educate uh, a young Stephen Baldwin about yeah. fire. And he talks about how fire is an animal that wants to eat and wants to breathe. And the only way to truly understand it, fire that is, is to love it a little. And for one, whatever particular reason, sometimes my mind thinks in those capacities of how, you know, art depicts life. And I think in order to truly define something like mental strength, you have to love it a little. The way in which you're trying to sculpt your athletes, you have to love what the benefit brings to truly get after it. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So our conversation, Cal, is mental strength. We're calling it the mindful athlete method. But since we got you on the horn, let's just start off with KPA's method of mental strength. Well, what I can tell you is that our mental strength didn't really start to take off as much as as possible or as much as it has over the last couple of years until the mental athlete training was introduced to our athletes. Uh, once that happened, it kind of took off and, um, you know, we, we really started to see, and this is based on feedback and, and watching games, but we really started to see the most improvement in our athletes. So um, our approach um, is like with many things. Um, I like to collaborate with those that are more effective at things than I am. And I, I think bringing in mental athlete training by Dr. Lee Piccarello and Ms. Jessica um, has been the greatest influence. Um, you guys are great at what you do. And uh, like we had said, trying to break down the, the walls and the barriers and misconceptions um, is a great value to your industry, to my industry, and to, and to our athletes. And uh, our younger athletes realize that now this is something that they – have to do it's something that they want to do and it has had great dividends so the approach is mental athlete training um does their thing from a lot of different perspectives and and complements things that we do with our physical training and not only complements it but in many cases integrates it um to uh things that we're actually doing physically with the kids and, and applying that that mental aspect very much like uh, what Jess did last night. Jess, you want to talk about what you did last night? <laughs> it's funny. We had a conversation about this. <laughs> Just laughing in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I really actually had a lot of fun last night. I um, So we really utilize uh, FitLight technology, which is essentially just... Um, you can think of it as round discs that I can manage on an iPad. And I set the colors, I set the lights, and I it trains... Um, reaction speed so what i do to add in uh sports psychology part of it is i change the colors we had four lights and there was four different colors so red blue green yellow and i told the athlete the sequence that i wanted them to hit 
that specific color. So it's randomized, and they had to try and go as fast as they can while being as accurate while getting the colors. And we had collegiate athletes, the high school athletes that are ready to go to college, and we had kids as young as 10 and 11, 12 doing it. And it's just interesting to see how everyone was kind of just kind of just doing it. I, I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to give everyone the same task. I thought the little ones I, I was going to hold back, but it was interesting that everybody honestly could do it, but it was like... <laughs> The older ones were almost worse at it because they were overthinking. They were, you know, they're so old that they get it. They get what's going on and they just kind of were like, oh, can you start it over? And I was like, no, <laughs> you have to keep going. Jess, you're a little you're a little young to to uh, to remember this reference. But, Cal, do you remember when the, the game Simon came out? Yes. And um, just listening to your discussion, it was a uh, it was a circular uh, battery-operated game that had uh, panels in a circle, and you would sit in a circle, and then lights would light up, and then say, like, the first one was red, and then it was red-blue, and then it was red-blue-yellow, red-blue-yellow-green, and you had to keep going, and you had yeah. to... It was a memory game, but yeah. it had sounds, and if you got it wrong, it was... Oh. And then the next person <laughs> would go. You Some remember that, Cal? Reinforcement. Right, yeah. and it's interesting how when you think about technology, because that was one of those things that first started to weave into what we now call cognitive performance training, or memory training, or... Uh, accuracy training, timing training in a very simple fundamental game. And, and what uh, Fitlight, uh, which is the company that we use, has these LED lights that allow us to sort of sculpt uh, and help athletes refine accuracy and mental speed, but as it applies to functional movement. And that's the real key of what we're, we're trying to, to accomplish. Uh, Cal, when when you talk about the variables required to train the mind, in your opinion, what to, what's at the top of your list? Um, when we when we look at it from a variable standpoint, I think it's very much uh, similar to an approach of you know physical development. Um, when you look at what the individual needs, uh, the environment that the individual needs. Um, the, the capability of the individual. I think these are all your, your baseline foundation type things. Um, and then you build off those. And um, it's different for each individual. It's different for each sport, maybe even for different um, positions within a sport. Um, but uh, variable-wise, I would say, because there are so many different approaches and, and individual needs that the, the person has from an internal and an external standpoint, um, I, I think it is still something that's very specific. And when we look at it from a competition standpoint, and I hope I'm not straying too much, but when we look at it from a competition standpoint, um, it, it, it will be uh, same as if I was looking at somebody physically. Okay, do they need more speed? Do they need more endurance? Do they need um, more fine motor work? Uh, do they need more power? These are all things that, in my mind, you know, maybe because I've worked in the physical nature of it, I think of the mind the same way. You know, do they need more reaction time? 
Do they need to have more endurance? Do they have to have the capacity to continue to do these things mentally over time without distraction? Now, that's so, an outstanding so, point, and, and, and that's exactly kind of where I'm going. Like, so variables from mental strength training capacity is attention, focus, uh, what yes. we call processing speed, right? So we're making yes. sense of information. How quickly are we right. gobbling up? How quickly are we telling our muscles uh, to do it, and then how quickly are we executing, right? So it's that boom, boom, yes. boom. It's, it's, it's yes. reaction. It's, um, it's attention to detail. It's, it's, working, sure. it's working memory. How quickly yes. can you learn a play? How quickly can you store it? How quickly can you recall it? Cal, when sure. you're thinking about reps, we've had many different discussions and points of emphasis on this. When you're talking about mental or physical reps, Talk to me a little bit about, in your physical world, the concept of visualization, seeing something before you do it. How do you think that contributes to the bottom line of success? I think it's huge, and you know, a little bit of education that I had at Georgia Southern with regard to sports psychology, I totally get the fact that if you can see it in your mind, and your mind already processes it, there's a huge connect with what you need to do from a standpoint of motor ability. So what I mean is like the central nervous system, the muscles, the endocrine system. If you can see it in your mind, you already can do it. Um, so you, when you're in a, in a flow state like we've talked about, or if you're in your zone, to, you know, so to speak, you're a reaction time monster. You're just able to do it without thinking about it. You can do it effectively and efficiently without having to process it and possibly uh, causing some type of uh, detriment to other uh, other activities that you need to do. So I, I, I think it's invaluable, and I think it's something that everybody should do, not even from a standpoint of just athletics, but in life. I mean, I use, I use imagery even when I'm getting ready to do a presentation. I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about. You know, I close my eyes. I, I see myself up there. I don't, I don't necessarily look at it from the perspective of looking out to the audience, I, I look at it as I'm an audience member, and I'm watching me up there do my thing. And then when I get up there, I've already been there, and everything just goes. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens. And yes. when, when I haven't done that, I've also noticed that I start to think about what I want to say, and then I start to get distracted. And I'm, everything's not flowing as good as it, it would have or as it has in the past. So I, I definitely think imagery is invaluable. The story that sort of launched our discussion of what is mental strength and then how we're trying to define it as the mindful athlete method began with Drew Brees this past Monday night breaking Peyton yes. Manning's all-time passing TD record and the video, don't know if you had a chance to see it, of Reggie Bush, who is a former saint, uh, University of Southern California, Heisman Trophy winner, um, videoing Drew Brees about 45 minutes after practice at the far end of the Saints practice bubble, um, walking through a host of plays, taking imaginary snaps, sprinting right, uh, climbing the pocket, uh, checking down, just uh, almost odd periods of lengthy pauses where he's stopping and he's pondering and he's looking at different parts of the field as if he's orchestrating this mental chess game without any pieces. 
Cal, in your opinion, when athletes get to that point of visualization or imagery, what do you think is their takeaway? What what do you think they're learning from that experience? I think, again, it goes back to the fact that it's already in their mind. They're already seeing what could possibly happen. They're already going to be able to be in that instant and be able to react to that. Um, they may be processing how they're going to do certain things in certain situations. These things may happen. They're, they're being prepared for what if. They're being pre- you know, prepared for that maximal uh, and optimal performance or maximal outing. And it, it's funny that, you, you know, they, they videoed that and they uh, brought it up in media because when I see little kids and I see them just, you know, pretending that they're the running back and they're, or a receiver and they're throwing the ball to themselves and going to catch it, I sit there and I just smile and, and I think of exactly what we just talked about. They're using their mind. They're thinking about a situation. Um, and it's not only just a creative thing, but like I said, it's helping them develop. It's a mental training aspect. It's just he just you know he or she is just having fun. They're not even thinking about it from that standpoint. But it's developmental. It's helping them be better in what they want to do. And with regard to Drew Brees, it was the same thing. You know, he's processing all these what ifs and how am I going to react in those situations. So I, I think again, it's an invaluable tool, and then everybody should use that creativity. To help them become better at everything that they do. Castley, Castley, Cal, Cal, we uh, <laughs> we call BioQ the athlete's mental metric, right? And what we're trying yeah. to achieve over at KPA is an integration of systems for athletes: their heart, their brain, their muscles, and their nervous system. Give me your minute of what you see as value when we're applying the athlete's mental metric to KPA athletes. I think everything that you do has made our athletes better. I think everything that Jess has done has made our athletes better. I think that we have a variety of situations and individuals that have different needs. And I think the fact that you have introduced so many different approaches has helped so many different athletes in ways that they would never have ever had that opportunity. A lot of individuals go and get physical training, and obviously there are you know different levels and capable uh, coaches out there. But adding the dimension of the mental training is what has been the game maker for the athletes that come through KPA. And I am forever thankful, and I know my athletes are forever thankful, for all that you do and for your expertise. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Happy holidays to you and your beautiful wife and your kids. Likewise. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you in the new year. Looking forward to it. All right, brother. Coach Con- John Kalinowski Have from KPA. Thank you for your passion and your wisdom. halftime and uh, shifted in the gears. That's right. We talking about the head game. We talked about the Catholic. We got a new uh, term. Maybe we'll just have now the the leader is Dr. Uh-huh. Lee Piccarillo, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, or the, the leeway. The uh, the patent and trademark application <laughs> was just FedExed. So we're gonna we're gonna lock down that term mm. and make it our own. And Cal. 
cows are going to jump on board as well. So it's uh, alter ego. Yes. Kathleen. <laughs> yes. Um, so our discussion today is about mental strength and what we're calling the mindful athlete method because we're putting our slant on the value of this mental skill. In the first half of the show, we talked all about uh, Jess led off with Drew Brees with her morning mindful news, breaking Peyton Manning's all-time TD passing record. I mentioned it to Cal, and then Coach Gov, in his Inside the Pocket feature, highlighted Drew Brees and the value of his mental skill application. So it only makes sense that we're going to start off the back half of the hour with number four, Foxy. This is Reggie Bush doing commentary softly at one end of the New Orleans bubble talking about Drew Brees doing mental reps, and that is how you become great. A lot of people in this world want to be great. A lot of young guys talk about it. Um, they want to be flashy. You know, a lot of young guys want the, the quick, easy shortcut route to greatness. Ain't no shortcuts to greatness, man. This is what it's about right here. Um, this is 20, 30. This is now we about 40 minutes now after practice, after a walkthrough, which would normally be a Saturday walkthrough. It's a Sunday because uh, they play Monday night. And it's only one man out here on this field. Only one man. Going through the motions, getting his mental reps. How important are these mental reps right now, man, for this game tomorrow night? This is what the leader of an organization of a football team looks like right here. This is what it takes, man. A lot of guys want to be great. A lot of guys aren't willing to go the extra mile for the man next to you. Uh, you know, not a lot of people are not willing to go to the depths. There are certain times when things naturally unfold through the course of life and puzzle pieces just fit. So you think about the anticipation. Think about the timeline. The anticipation of Drew Brees breaking Peyton Manning's record. His mental rehearsal, we'll just call it that for right now, in anticipation of that Monday night game. Reggie Bush recognizing that perhaps history is about to be made and seeing what he defines as greatness unfold and decides to document it, not only with video, but through narration. Drew Brees then goes out and breaks the record. And now all of this attention kind of rain downs on him. Plus, it's now being revealed what Drew Brees actually did before that pinnacle, that moment, that best of the best moment that he had as a professional. That is the perfect waltz that we as mental strength coaches and sports psychologists are looking for. Because that's the whole emphasis of our position at Mindful Athlete Training. It's not about worrying so much that people who are then in need when they struggle should get help. It's, it's getting so far ahead of that in anticipating what is needed to reach a high level of performance and stay there and what's required of both mind and body. It's it's 
I can't say it enough. It's literally case in point of our entire position of what we've tried to accomplish. And we need to thank one Drew Brees. Is he the first to do something like this? Of course not. But the way in which it unfolded, then you look at his performance that night where he sets all kinds of records. He sets his his efficiency rating is the highest that it's ever been. He talks about being perfect, and he didn't set his feet, which is a minor mechanical error as far as a quarterback is concerned. Not only does he set the record, he exceeds the record, and all of it kind of falls into place, very cosmic-like. This is how we define for athletes what it is to be strong above and beyond the norm. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think it's something with momentum. When you have positive momentum, when you're doing things like that, like he was so prepared mentally and physically, and he's going into the game and everything's starting to fall into place, you create this, like you're saying, this cosmic momentum. Like it's, it's just, you can just feel like it's going to happen. Like you, it's flow. Yeah, you're in a flow state. Right. He it's, created it's action and awareness merging. Time, the the differential gets skewed. Is it sped up? Is it slowed down? But when you look at his actual performance, can we make the argument that Drew Brees would have done that against any team? Well, most experts would probably say no. But it's hard to overlook through his preparation that we now have had an opportunity, thank you, Reggie Bush, to peer behind the curtain to see what's going on when no... How many times have we talked about on this show, we don't, we're not paying attention to athletes until they do something great? Or they catastrophically fail. How many times have we talked about that? So many times, these athletes, and for the record, it's not just about being a professional quarterback. The audition that seems flawless for American Idol. The executive who nails the presentation. It's the rehearsal. It's the reps. But now we're talking about mental strength to such a degree. When you think about Drew Brees, he doesn't have to accomplish anymore. There isn't anything in professional football that he hasn't done. Pro Bowls. Success. Super Bowl. Pro Bowl. He, he's done it all. So when you think about that. Academic All-American. Academic All-American. Industrial management. You know, when you think about what else can we do, think about our discussion. Think about how we are conceptualizing our method of mental strength. He's not doing anything above and beyond. He's engaging in the process of visualization. He's seeing himself be successful. He's writing a script with invisible ink in his mind. He's seeing, uh, when you listen to Coach Gov's Inside the Pocket, he's working his progression. That means, what's my first target? He's covered. Who's my second? Covered again. Who is my third? Uh, Still covered. Wait, let me go back to first. Or wait, here's my safety valve. My back coming out of the backfield. That's a progression. He's doing that in his mind. Think about the attention, the focus, the endurance at his stage in his career that is required. Because, And this is no disrespect to the, the average ordinary Joe. Most people don't genuinely appreciate what is being invested 
by the athlete in any sport when we only see them do well because we chalk it up to them being gifted or they've got a great arm or someone's really fast we we safely put them in the exception to the rule which regarding human nature allows us to separate ourselves farther and farther because then it's easier for us to say they're great i can't do that but is then there, you is there an x factor too doctor i mean there's always some point where you're putting all this information being great doing all and all of a sudden you get rejected he was he got hurt Miami didn't want him. Or he got cut. He right. got cut. He's not good enough. New Orleans didn't want him. Nick Saban didn't. They didn't. The Dolphins. That would have been a different story had he gone to Miami than New Orleans. And, yes. And he, and he said, I missed that pass. If I had thrown that one, that would have been perfect. He probably would have said it. And Miami didn't want me. Right. It's uh, Tom Brady. It's been picked 199th. It's the sixth round. That you, that's, is that the test? Is that one of the tests? That's, that's one of the markers. That's yeah. one of the mile markers that you have to exceed. Right. Right? That you're either going to, again... Somebody, take, somebody tells you you can't do You're going to take the off-ramp and say, yeah. okay, you're right. Yeah. Or you're going to say, you know what? Full steam ahead. I, I, I don't... I believe more in me than I yeah. do in you they and your opinion. You haven't sold everybody then. Right. Yeah. But I think that's to, to your point of is it mental strength or is it mental efficiency? I think you need to be able to have enough gumption. Uh, again, these are now all of the words that we've used in the past and how we try to define it. Resiliency, character, to begin that discussion in your mind of why you're not going to accept what someone is defining as your fate. Yeah, I think it needs to start with something uncomfortable. That's kind of what I've come to conclusion throughout this discussion like something uncomfortable happens for anybody any performer and it's their decision whether they want to continue through that uncomfortableness i completely agree with you and i like the fact that when we talk about uncomfortable and we talk about discomfort i'd like to get back to our mindful athlete method Mm -hmm. which is what we call stacking or overstimulation but in light of number three foxy this is lebron james doing an exclusive interview talking about antonio davis the Lakers, his son, and then mental fitness. We've seen you in heated playoff series be sitting on the bench, completely still, completely calm, eyes closed, collecting yourself. How have mental exercises like that helped you succeed in your career? Um, I think it's helped tremendously, Dave. I mean, to be able to be in a packed arena on the road with 20,000, 22,000 people, screaming fans, going crazy, um, the the level of the pressure of the game to be able to find a moment two minutes or one minute or whatever 30 seconds to be able to just to close my eyes and and just kind of relax myself and calm myself uh, take deep breaths give myself an, an opportunity just to have an inner personal self it's kind of it's like it's meditation basically um, it has worked uh, you know tremendously for me in my career Mm. Anthony Davis. I, you know what it is? I, I took Antonio, Antonio Brown. Because <laughs> I got AV on the brain. Um, and it's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, yeah. Yeah, that guy. That's okay. They yeah. played last night. Lakers teammate, right. Yeah. I knew it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I was just testing you to make sure that you were staying sharp. I had Sammy Davis. <laughs> yes. LeBron James talking about finding a moment of clarity, mm. of inner peace, on the road, 22,000 screaming fans. Yeah. 
people would say that would suggest discipline. Define it as mental strength for me. So when I when I was listening to that, and I even made a note of it, I can just think of him like he put in. He must have done it before. That's what I tell athletes that come in, and any really client that comes in, you can't you can't do it when you act like you need to practice this. If you practice two minutes of just breathing by yourself when you actually need it, like when LeBron James is in a stressful situation and he sits down on the sideline, he's practiced it. He's been there before. He knows what it feels like to be calm, and he's able to do that in one minute, which is you know it's it takes a lot of practice. But like you're watching and it's like he's able to slow everything down. That's what it seems like to me. Like there's when he's on the road, he's not lying. It's screaming fans. He has a lot of hate people who hate him because of whatever. Because of his success, because of yeah. his stature, he's iconic. Right. All of that. It's all of the reasons to hate. It's all the reasons to get motivated. Which is interesting to me, why people hate greatness. Yeah. It's a you know, it's a good topic. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Why do people hate LeBron James? And it's always because he's so good. Yeah, <laughs> but... Like, why? But psychologically, you kind of need to dig into, you know, why do you hate the great? Yeah. Are right? you jealous? Right. Or are there other reasons why? Does it, is it, is it a, a reason to get motivated? Is it a reason to get yourself all fired up mm-hmm. of giving yourself more motivation, even albeit it might be, you know, pretty skewed? But back to LeBron with his ability to do that, you're saying that... He knows what it is to be calm, and it takes a lot of practice to get there. When we're approaching athletes through our mindful athlete method of what it is to be mentally strong, we have this concept of stacking, Mm -hmm. of overstimulation. Would you like to explain that? I can. So with calm in particular, there is something called, in short, an HRV or long heart rate variability, and that is something that I found extremely useful when trying to teach, especially a young athlete what it means to be calm or what it means to meditate having someone and teaching them a diaphragmatic breath when they're 10 is like they're like i am breathing and you're like okay and then if you hook them up to hrv which they're able to actually see their heart rate and they get a a score that shows if they're doing basically good or bad we don't say good or bad um, but they're able to say okay so now this is what it feels like to be getting a good score i feel really calm and this is what it feels like to do bad and then we we combine that with doing EEG. I can't say that long word. Electroencephalogram. <laughs> which is training. Which is brainwave brain training. Waves, yeah. So we have, we're trying to see how focused they can be. Now we're combining calm and focused. And then you add anything else like the fit light. We're trying right. to do reaction speed. Now they're, they have all of the same overstimulation of the pressures from in-game situations. And we're strengthening it. In the lab. Right. We're putting a, a spotlight on the systems of the athlete that get really charged up during game type simulations. So your ability to stay calm with a one in one situation and the game is tied with three seconds left, you can't really simulate in practice. But what you can separate and then train is an athlete's ability to pay attention to something and manage their heart rate at the same time. Yes. And if you can teach that skill back to your good score or bad score, a good score in breathing is a good relationship between breath slowing your heart rate. Mm. And once an athlete understands that, because breathing is involuntarily, involuntary it's we don't say i want to breathe now Mm -hmm. we're breathing 
all the time, but to do it with purpose, to do it with an intentional practice, I'm going to try to shift my breathing from chest to belly. That's getting more of that relaxation response. And it's helping the athlete understand it's, it's where we're going in the customization of athletic training. Yes. And to make it individualized, if LeBron James was to come in and he said, I want to be able to calm down while I have 2,000 fans screaming at me. I've never actually used this, but I've always wanted to. We can put him on HRV. So he's he's practicing his breathing while having some sort of stimulation of the the that subwoofer jacket. I've never gotten to use it actually, but I think the it sub is, pack. Yeah, like it, it stimulates and we can play a crowd screaming. So he has to actually calm down in the exact situation that he's trying to calm down in. Yeah, because the sub pack really pumps all kinds of bass your into your body, moving. your back and your chest, and yeah. it, what it does is it it gives you that bodily sensation of what pressure in a 22,000 fan-based packed arena feels like. Foxy, let's go to number two. This is the most unique strength coach in the National Football League. My junior year playing high school basketball, I tore my ACL. I went down, had it checked, and they were like, oh, it's all good. I said, coach, put me back in. And I just took a step. I was all by myself, and I felt that thing go. I remember crying hysterically with my mom in the car. It was like a loss, and I was mourning. I was going through rehab, and the rehab process was slow, and it wasn't individualized or tailored to me as a person. It was that process and that experience that made me want to continue to pursue this and give other athletes and other people the opportunity to excel. Yeah, so actually off of what I was just saying, um, what, what I really liked what she was saying is how she was upset as an athlete, as an elite athlete, how she was doing for her injury, which she knew was really personal to her, there she was getting treated as someone else maybe they hurt their ankle or they hurt their arm and she's like this isn't going to help me so i i thought that was an interesting clip especially with what we're able to do in the lab and i think it's a great time actually to explain bio q yes but before we do that i just want to make sure that everyone understands um that is the first female strength and conditioning coach for the tampa bay buccaneers her name is morale jadavadar if I have pronounced that correctly. I, I think you did it really good. <laughs> I tried to, to kind of to, to stretch it out there. Javad, no, I can't say it. Yeah, because, <laughs> uh, because of her experience with her own torn ACL, and she's obviously now broken into a male-dominated world. When you think of the stereotype of the strength and conditioning coach, especially at the NFL, you're thinking of a male. It's a female strength coach who, through her own experiences of catastrophic injury, are all about the the customization of training and the individualized effort. So to speak to that, yes, in our, our last segment of the show, BioQ, which is short for BioQuotient, is an athlete's ability to integrate the four key domains of human performance, the heart, the brain, the muscles, and the nervous system. We take metrics on all four of those, of the what we call calm, focused, engaged, and then integration of the three to help the athlete come into a better understanding of what they can do as a holistically trained athlete. So we're not overlooking anything. It's the athlete's mental metric. And what we've been doing at KPA for the better part of 
close to a year now, is teaching the individual components of BioQ to the athletes. We've been strengthening our database. We're collecting more raw athletic data to hone in on more accurate numbers of what a high school senior's BioQ should look like, a sophomore in college BioQ should look like, even a professional and what their BioQ should look like. Because if once we establish that database, now we can share it with the world because BioQ the next metric of the athlete is what's going to help define next level training and the success that they can achieve. Yeah, and I think this is what athletes really look for. When they want to get better, they want to it, the same thing how I started the um how I started the show off. It's myself versus me. Like they want to know, okay, where what do I look like on paper right now? How calm can I get? How focused am I? How integrated can I put all of these together? And then to have scores of that and then to say, okay, this is this is only me. And now I'm going to train those. And then I'm going to see how better I, I, like, I can get at that. I think that's really attractive to anybody trying to be better. It is. when you When you walk into any sort of strength training facility, you see numbers everywhere. You have, you know, can you beat Coach Cal at KPA and the numbers that he's put up in the bench, in the squat, in the deadlift. It's all about numbers. So what we're doing is we're trying to simplify for athletes through a singular number how well they are integrating their whole body when they're trying to do something. That's its simplest definition. And instead of saying, well, you're really getting distracted when you're stressed out, we show them what clarity and relaxation look like. We give them numerical pictures. Zero to 100. The universal 60, poor, 90, good. So it's a quick and easy understanding of what the body, the brain, the heart, the muscles, and the nervous system can do, can achieve together to help the athlete assign more value to all of those other intangibles that we all know contribute to the bottom line of athletic performance. Yeah. Because if we don't do that, then we put ourselves in a position to just train one aspect, one physical part of our body. And that's just unacceptable. And now, Dr. Lee's Mindful Athlete Minute brought to you by Volvo Country with locations in Princeton, Bridgewater, and Edison. To define mental strength, you first need to identify where it would be applied the most. If our mentality were to be strong, it would command all other systems of the body. The heartbeat would listen, muscles would snap to attention, and our nerves would be strong as steel. Mental strength comes through the realization that our body's best supercomputer, the brain, as our host, can exercise control over all. It's one step ahead, two, now three. It's the consummate chess game where you generate power from within to navigate pinpoint accuracy and optimal control. This type of strength, however, does not come in the typical form. It's not brutish or boastful. It's not hulking or artificial. It's a strength 
of elasticity and endurance, of flexibility and fortitude. The truth is, if mental skills are an application, then mental strength is an addition. It's awareness plus acceptance, the simple sum of doing more by wanting more. It's days upon days of being adrift with no sail and little hope. It's having every reason to give up, but still you endure. Hours are days and days are weeks with no land bird in sight. If mental strength is the ultimate test of you versus yourself, let's be clear on the ground rules. No opponent, no time limit, no score. No winner, no prize. No one is watching. And one more thing. When you play, you'll want to quit real early and doubt real often. You still want to play? Yes? Are you sure? Congrats. Now get at the back of the line. My name is Dr. Lee Piccarello, and that's my Mindful Athlete Minute.